0: Jesse Williams on the Jesse James Show on 12OunceSportsRadio.com and the TuneIn app. It is December 19th, 2018 and we have a good show for you today. Or should I say, tonight. So, there is something that I wanted to cover to open up the show. So, up until this point in my very, very, very long college career, I have been a history major in college for the most part. I started as a history major, then I switched over to teaching and now I am back as a history major. And so and I'm, I'm actually changing my degree to communications to be able to to, to be able to facilitate, Uh, This sports career that I want to do. Sorry. Somebody was just hitting me up on on the phone, but I'm on the air and so What I would like to What I would like to talk about is a little bit of history and I know this is a sports Radio show, but we're gonna tie the history into the sports radio show so if you do not like history or do not follow history or you've been living under a rock The United States and Cuba have had a very contentious relationship since the 1960s with the Cuban Missile Crisis, with the Bay of Pigs invasion under Kennedy, and then with the subsequent installment of Fidel Castro as the dictator of Cuba, and then thus forth the long-standing embargo that was lifted by President Barack Obama. I'm not going to get into the politics of it, because that's not what I'm here to talk about. But... And now President Donald Trump wants to go back on the deal that Obama did. So some interesting news came across the wire today on ESPN.com. And I'm going to read it verbatim. So this is on ESPN.com. So once again, I don't get sued. Major League Baseball, its Players Association, and the Cuban Baseball Federation reached an agreement that will allow players from the island to sign big league contracts without defecting An effort to eliminate the dangerous trafficking that has gone on for decades. The agreement, which runs through October 31st, 2021, allows Cuba to sign under rules similar to those for players under contract to clubs in Japan, South Korea, and Taiwan. And so there was a statement put out, and I think this was by the commissioner. Let me make sure. I'm going to scroll up real quick and make sure that I've got the right information on here. So I'll just once again read this. Yes, yes, okay. So this is Rob Manfred, the current commissioner of Major League Baseball. Quote, For years, Major League Baseball has been seeking to end the trafficking of baseball players from Cuba by criminal organizations by creating a safe and legal alternative for those players to sign with Major League clubs, Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred said in a statement Wednesday. He goes on to say, We believe that this agreement accomplishes that objective, and will allow the next generation of Cuban players to pursue their dream without enduring many of the hardships experienced by current and former Cuban players who have played Major League Baseball." So, it also goes on to say, depending on the quality of future players, the agreement could mean millions of dollars in future income for the cash-poor Cuban Federation, which has seen the quality of players and facilities decline in recent years as talent went overseas. An agreement marks a step forward with the U.S.-Cuba relations during a time of tensions between blah blah blah, what I've already said before. And so, I didn't get to read a whole lot of this, but obviously, you know, Yasiel Puig was smuggled out of Cuba by traffickers linked to a Mexican drug gang. And he's gone on to play for the Dodgers and appear in two World Series. And so, the union head also had a quote that says, establishing a safe legal process for entry to our system is the most important step we can take to ending the exploitation and endangerment of Cuban players who pursue careers in Major League Baseball. This is Tony Clark, former MLB player, who's the head of the union. The safety and well-being of these young men remain our primary concern. Okay, okay so I'm going to scroll back up and give some more information, and then we'll have a discussion about it. Okay, so... Only players under contract to the Cuban Federation will be covered in the agreement and the Cuban Federation agreed to release all players 25 and older with at least six years of professional experience. So this won't be for everybody. They have to be on contract with the Cuban Federation and they have to be 25 years or older. So I think this agreement is a good start. I think it's a step in the right direction and... Hold on, I got a message real quick. So I think this I think this agreement is a step in the right direction, but I obviously think we need to do more because the fact that it wasn't that the players were just affecting and then coming over, it's that they were being smuggled, basically human trafficked through very dangerous conditions. I know there was a big article about this on ESPN at one point. And all the information and quotes I have are courtesy of ESPN.com. And are actually I'm gonna go ahead and um, I'm gonna go ahead and read the name the person who wrote this so I can give them credit for it. This is actually a really good article by ESPN.com. And this article, oh my goodness. It just says ESPN News Services. So I'm gonna scroll down and see if there's an actual author to make sure that I give credit where credit is due. It just says it was the Associated Press contributed to this report, so it didn't actually give an author. So I think this is a very, very interesting development that obviously will hopefully make it safer for players from Cuba to be able to come over and play baseball without having to defect. I am not at liberty or have the information to speak on living conditions currently in Cuba. I know that Fidel Castro is obviously no longer in charge. I'm pretty sure he's dead by now. But I do think that it is important for us to recognize that we can take all the politics out of this and all of the personal feelings about Cuba or the current administration or even the past administration. You just say congratulations for Major League Baseball, the Major League Baseball Players Association to making steps in the right direction. I know that Dan Levitard was speaking today on some holes in the agreement, and I didn't get to hear that, so I'd be interested in going back, because you know Levitard's Cuban-American. His dad's from Cuba. And so, this hits home for him, so I would really like to either read or go listen to what he had to say about this, because obviously, this hits a lot closer to home to him than it does to me. And so... I think that this is a step in the right direction for baseball, and I think that it is something to be celebrated, and it's establishing a legal precedent for these players to be able to come for Cuba without having to defect and leave their families behind and maybe never being able to play. Okay, Cuban. this article also says that Cuba born Players have a long history in the major leagues led by many... Uh, Minoso with nine all-star selections, Tony Olivia, Camellia Pascal, Tony Perez, and while Puig, Orlando, and Livian Henderson, or Aldous Chapman have become stars, and this goes on to talk about the bus, but I don't really care about all that, and I want to say Jose Abreu just came out and said that he was happy about this, as was Yasiel Puig, so congratulations for baseball for getting something right not not saying that baseball doesn't get things right but I think it was this was an important step for baseball to take and I'm glad that it happened. And so and I and the winter meetings are going on and so this was a nice reprieve from where is Bryce Harper going to end up cuz I don't think we'll n- really know that until probably January or February and I know it's a really exciting time for baseball offseason I know a lot of people are wrapped up in what's going on in the NFL but every once in a while and most nights I would like to take time on this radio program to talk about things that are happening in the real world that impact real people's lives and I think it's important like I said last night that we address these real issues in light of the other things that are happening in the league and so there's another story that I want to get to. Oh, wow. The Rockets hit NBA record 26 threes in route of the Wizards. Well, if you listen to the show last night, before I get to the story I was going to talk about, I was talking about how bad the Wizards were last night. And I predicted that they would lose this game. Now, I did not think that Houston would come out here and hit 26 threes. So I'm going to look at this box score. Oh, it was 136. So they lost by 18. So the Wizards are now 12 and 20. And the Rockets have kind of come back. So let's see. They hit 26 threes. So let's see. PJ Tucker hit three. Chris Paul hit five. James Harden hit six. Eric Gordon hit four. So that's 18 of their 18 of their threes came from their starters, and then they had a couple of other ones sprinkled in there. I gotta go. I gotta go look at this Rockets box score because this is getting ridiculous. I'm, I'm sorry, the Wizards. So Trevor Ariza played 36 minutes and had 15 points. Jeff Green had 12. Some dude named Brian I never heard of had 12. Bradley Beal had 28, and John Wall had 18 with 12 assists. And had a a, a negative 19 plus uh, minus um, while on the court. And so, yeah, not looking good for the Wizards out here. Not looking good at all. Toronto came back and beat Indiana. Boston just lost to Phoenix. What is... Now, ooh, Utah's actually beating Golden State with two minutes left in the game. So we might keep up on a couple of these games. So, I'm kind of going off um on a tangent here so but 26 three-pointers and of course if anyone is going to do it it's the rockets now what i would be interested in is how many threes they actually took so we're going to scroll down to the end of the box score they hit 26 out of 55 that's actually not terrible but they did shoot 55 threes so they they shot 32 pointers and 55 threes i don't know if that's sustainable in the long run but they also had 30 assists to 15 turnovers so for every two assists they were having a turnover which isn't terrible um Gerald Green was out here with four threes I think that's Gerald Green let's check it out I can't keep all these greens in the league straight yeah Gerald Green I thought he played for them he's averaging seven points a game off the bench for them so good for the Houston Rockets I still think they're in trouble because obviously you still gave up 118 points to a very disappointing team and you aren't gonna be able to sustain that. You're gonna to have to play some kind of defense once it comes playoff time if they get into the playoffs. Switching gears. Actually, you know what? Before we do that, we are going to take we've been on air for 13 minutes, and we have talked about two topics now. So I think it's a good time to take a quick commercial break. This has been the Jesse James Show on 12-ounce sports radio and tune-in app. We will be back after these messages from 12 Ounce Sports Radio. I am back. This is Jesse Williams on the Jesse James show, which we might end up changing that to like the Jesse James sports show or something along those lines. But for now, it'll be the Jesse James show. And we are live on a Wednesday night on 12 ounce sports radio and tune in app. And so I think we had a very good last segment, but I got a tweet from my buddy Ian Hull, who is a uh, one of my co-hosts on the kicker the outlaw with the villain and he hit me up and you can find the kicker in the outlaw with the villain on ko underscore sports talk and real quick I'm gonna shout out Ian's tweet oh there it is Ian at I a n h u l l one two o z s r tweeted at me should fans be able to yell anything they want at players hell no Alright, so I know this is an interesting topic, and I have gone on and on about this with people on Twitter, and a lot of fans think that because they pay tickets, that they can go to sporting events, and they can just say whatever they want to people, and they feel like because they paid the price of admission, that that means they're just allowed to do whatever the hell they want. Well, let me poke a... Really big hole in that logic for you, real quick. Not saying that this is what Ian said. You just asked the question. Here's the problem with that logic. So you can pay to go to anywhere. You could pay to go to a concert. Okay, we'll use we'll use a uh, like an opera because I I remember hearing a story about Shia LaBeouf one time getting thrown out of an opera for being drunk. So you know Shia LaBeouf is an actor and he's kind of I think he's Irish and he's. he's or scottish i don't know where that dude's from but i know he's really obnoxious and so he paid the price of admission to go to this opera and he acted a fool and they kicked him out so just because you pay tickets doesn't mean you can just say whatever the hell you want to people i think that fans should be able to express their opinions i think that You should be able to yell at players, but I don't think you can just say whatever the hell you want to people. And that's, people always tell me, this is America, we live in a free country, I can say whatever I want. Yes, you can, but just remember, there are consequences for the things that you say. And this is a hard one for me because assault is illegal in this country, and I'm not advocating physical violence of any kind. But just know that if you walk down the street... And you see somebody and you think because it's America and you got freedom. And you can just say whatever the hell you want to people. If you get punched in the face, and that's on you. Um, I'm not saying you will get punched in the face. But I'm saying if you walk in the wrong neighborhood. Let's say you're a white guy. right, And you're walking through a neighborhood. And you see a black guy. And you just blatantly call him the n-word. I think that if you get punched in the face for that, that you had that coming. Now, to be fair... If you punch somebody in the face for saying something bad to you and they sue you, I mean, it's still like not legal to punch people in the face. But I'm just saying that I'm always very careful about how I interact with people, or at least I try to be, because you do not know what someone is going through on that day. And I hate this about fans. Fans act like because they pay for a ticket that they're somehow more important than the player. Well, explain to me how that makes sense. They're like, the players wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the fans. It's like, listen, there wouldn't be fans without sports, dummies. Okay? So, if there was no sport to watch, then fandom would not exist. So, it's like the chicken before the egg. The sport came before the fan because if there was no sports, you'd have nothing to be a fan of when it comes to sports. That's how I feel on the matter. So, I hope that answered your question, Ian. But, I mean, I'll stay on this topic for the next 10 minutes just because it's so crazy and especially when it comes to college sports it's like listen I know that when you went to college that you didn't have to juggle women and alcohol and the temptation of drugs and class and practice and film and games and people trying to give you money and possibly scouts coming to watch you and people trying to be your agent when it's not legal so stop acting like you're somehow god's gifts to earth because you love a team i had a fan tell me one time on twitter we were born into this and i'm like how did your parents play for the university because guess what if they did you weren't born yet and if you were you're not old enough to remember number two Unless you have kids that play for the team, or you give money to the university, or you work for the university, you are just a fan. You are are the fan base. You are not the program. Like, you are not the thing that keeps this running. You are not at practice. You are not in the film room. You are not in the recruitment process. So you don't know what you are talking about. And if that comes harsh, cool. I don't really care. Because at the end of the day, these professional athletes put in more work than you ever know. The other thing I hate, they just go out there and dribble a ball and they get paid too much. Well, number one, you're paying attention because you're talking about it. Number two, people are paying the price of tickets. Number three, you always want to talk about keeping jobs in America. Well athletics provides jobs think about who has to take care of the field the janitors the concession stand workers the people at the ticket office the security so they can get your rumbunctious butt out these stands if you want to sit here and act a fool like it's okay to boo and it's okay to like airball airball that's fine i get that but when you start yelling insults at grown men when all you're doing is sitting in a seat okay so this would be my question would it be okay for somebody to pay money to come to your job, let's say that you work at Walmart, and that's not anything. There's nothing wrong with working at Walmart. I, I worked at Walmart at one point. I've worked in restaurants. Would it be okay for someone to pay admission to get into Walmart and stand behind your cash register and yell at you every time you make a mistake at the cash register? How would you feel about that? Let's say you work at a restaurant. You know what, let's say you work at a drive-thru at McDonald's or Son- or they don't have a drive-thru at Sonic because they, thank goodness, because I worked in a Sonic, we won't go there. Would it be okay for someone to sit there and just roll through the drive-thru every five minutes and just yell insults at you, call you names, talk about your mother, talk about your kids, talk about how you're a failure at life, even though, let, let's say that the person that's coming through your drive-thru doesn't even have a job, how would you feel? And that's my personal feelings on the matter. I just feel that we should treat people how we want to be treated. And fans have gotten this sense of entitlement that they are just way more important than they actually are. Like, I get it. You're a fan of a team, and that's great. And sports is supposed to be fun and competitive, and we want our teams to be well. But these are people that have lives that are trying to support their families, too. And I know you're going to say, they're millionaires, blah, blah, blah. Like... They're so overpaid. Well, why don't you go find a job to help? Because you know what? Nobody in this world is overpaid. Do you know why? It's called economics, people. Supply and demand. You are worth what somebody will pay you. Charlemagne the God used to always say this on The Breakfast Club on, I don't know, it's like Power 105, yeah, in New York. He's always saying you can't sell out unless someone's willing to buy. So he's like, I've been waiting to sell out. I've been waiting for someone to pay for me. And that's the thing. So, yeah, fans, I just think... I think it's irresponsible to go to somebody's job when they're there to entertain you and you think you have the right to say whatever you want. Now, you can. It's America. But just remember, there's other people around you that may not appreciate the vulgar things that are coming out of your mouth. So that's that's basically my thoughts on the matter. So that's been my fan rant. And like I said, I'm not anti-fan. I'm anti-idiotic fans. And for all you people who want to tweet college players' parents like... (laughs) These are the same people that when I came back from Africa with the military, right? So I've been to Iraq and Africa. I said that last time. I've been in the Army for 14 years now in January. And me, Ian, and David started the Rehab Sports Guys, And we were posting uh, videos on Facebook Live. And we started our own Facebook page. And we boosted the post. And we are getting like 4,000 views, right? Dude, there were all these people like, I can't believe you talk about the NFL. You're unpatriotic. You need to get a job. You need to do something with your life. Okay, Mr. Twitter fan, or Mr. Facebook fan, you're telling me I need to do something with my life. And, I, and I, I, I very sarcastically was like, I just served my country for two times. Like, what are you doing with your life? Guy never responded. Well, my thing is, I'm not bragging about my service. My thing is, I have done plenty with my life, and I don't have to defend that. Like, I have a job. I've gone to school. I'm married. I take care of my responsibilities. And you're telling me to get a life, but you are talking to someone on social media that you've never met before, criticizing them because of a game that they like to watch. Now, whether you like the players kneeling and all that, that's none of my business, and that's really none of your business how I feel about it. I fought for the right for people to be able to do what they want to do and express themselves. Just like I fought for the right for you to go to a sports game and make a fool out of yourselves, but if one of these players hits you in the face with a basketball, I'm going to laugh about it. Because you know what? I just, I feel like people are getting too big for their britches, and in the era that I grew up in, that would not be tolerated. So, we are going to take another quick commercial break. We have been on air for 28 minutes, and we will be back for the second half of the show. This is the Jesse James Show on 12-ounce Sports Radio and TuneIn app. We will be back after these messages from Scout Team Radio, Fake Ed Orgeron, and 12-ounce Sports Radio. Thanks for tuning in. We will be right back. Oh, it's summertime. What's that mean? We're all heading off to the golf course. Get back to the recording part of this because, you know, I'm going to record this and post it up on all of your favorite podcast apps probably tonight or early tomorrow on, you can find this on Spotify. But actually, Ian has been putting promos out about this app called Anchor, which is a really cool app if you want to be able to create your own podcast if you're not on a sports radio show. So, obviously, first and foremost, we would like you to listen to this on 12OunceSportsRadio.com because without 12OunceSportsRadio.com, I may not be in the position I am to have my own daily slash nightly radio show. And I would also like to point out that my wife, who is in the living room, while I'm in the studio, has informed me that some Sonics do have drive-ins. So, if you are working at a Sonic that has a drive-in, you should just ask yourself, would it be okay for someone to stand behind you while you're working the drive through window at 3 o'clock in the afternoon in a metropolitan city and scream whatever they want at you while you're trying to do your job? All right. So, we are back on 12 Ounce Sports Radio. We have another 25 minutes. All right. So... I would like to talk about this notion of who is going to be the Cleveland Browns next head coach and I have heard everything from Lincoln Riley to Mike not Mike Holmgren Mike Holmgren been retired for like 50 years now um Mike McCarthy sorry right franchise wrong coach um right franchise wrong coach so Mike McCarthy I've heard Lincoln Riley I've heard the offensive coordinator Kitchens, who is doing a phenomenal job with Baker Mayfield. Mind you, he's a rookie. They don't have a full season of tape on him yet. Not saying Baker won't be good. I'm saying let's not jump to conclusions like we did with Robert Griffin III and with um, many other quarterbacks who have had early success and then turned out to uh, Vince Young's another good example of a guy that won uh, Offensive Rookie of the Year and then kind of flailed out in the league. And I really liked Vince Young. Colin Cowherd. I sat up here and I defended you on my own radio show about uh, me agreeing with you on some things. Nick Saban. Now, now, mind you, I did not listen to the clip or to the show because I was watching The Blacklist, catching up on there. So when the new season comes out, I can be all caught up. Great show, by the way. And so... I. I was on the ESPN app and it came across, or maybe I was on Twitter. It came across somewhere that I saw that the prospect of Nick Saban coaching Baker Mayfield in the NFL. I don't think that would work at all. I think that Nick Saban has already tried the NFL. And I, and, and if someone could look it up and to ask me or maybe I can look it up real quick. See how old Nick Saban is. How old is Nick Saban, Google? Okay, cool. The first thing that popped up. Nick Saban is 67 years old. Ooh, Nick Saban's birthday is on Halloween. I had no idea. Nick Saban was born in 1951. <sighs> Guys, Nick Saban's not going to go coach the Cleveland Browns. I'm sorry. That's one of the worst... They already have a defensive-minded head coach in Greg Williams who's actually coached in the NFL before for longer than two years. And this is not a shot at Nick Saban. Nick Saban can stay at Alabama until the day he dies. I think retirement is going to come before a jump to the NFL for Nick Saban. And I don't think that it's because Nick Saban's scared of failure, but I just don't think... And I'm not... I like Baker Mayfield. I am not under the impression that Baker needs to change and be a cookie-cutter quarterback and be placed in... That he, I don't think he needs to be placed in a box. I think that Baker needs to be able to be Baker because I feel that's the thing that makes him great. Nick Saban, on the other hand, doesn't seem to like those kind of personalities on his football team. Here's the other thing. At Alabama, Nick Saban gets to do the recruiting. Like Nick Saban is the CEO. I know they have an athletic director, but come on. That's Nick Saban's program. And anybody who would venture to tell you otherwise is either not smart hadn't done their research or is just misinformed and so you're telling me that Nick Saban is going to leave that at 67 years old and then go to the NFL where he does not have personnel control now I think that John Dorsey is doing a great job early on in Cleveland that team looks I mean they've won six they're six seven and one I mean they're basically a 500 team after winning one game in two years um by Felicia to Hugh Jackson And so, no, I do not think that Baker Mayfield and Nick Saban are a fit. Let me go into the second part of my argument. And that's this. If you're the Cleveland Browns, why would you want to hire a 67-year-old head coach? If you don't think Nick Saban's going to be there for at least five years, is it more important and, and Browns fans feel free to let me know how you feel about this? Is maybe winning one championship and then having to start all over with the new coach worth it? Or do you want to get a coach in there that you can build around? That you can get his philosophy in there? He can hire his offense. He can get coordinators to run the offense and the defense that he wants to run. He could put his imprint on the organization because I wish I had my notebook in here with me. Actually, I do have my notebook. And I've been wanting to address this for a long time. To hear some rattling. I apologize. I'm going to pull out a bunch of notes. And I'm sorry Jeff, Uh, Jeff is the station owner and I know that he is a big, big Browns fan. And so I am going to pull out three pages worth of notes. And this is not me really um, trying to disparage the Browns but this gives you a little bit of history on what the Browns have been dealing with over the course of their history and why I don't think that Nick Saban is a good idea. Okay, so the Browns reincarnation started in 1999, and I'm just gonna go through the list of their head coaches and I'm gonna tell you about their experience. I'm gonna give you their record, and only one of them dudes went to the playoffs, which I think this is wrong, so I think one of these guys, okay, so we'll leave the playoffs out because I'm missing one of them. Chris Palmer was the head coach from 1999 to 2000. He coached 32 games. He was five and 27. Five and 27. He coached at New Haven and Boston. You, before that, excuse me, I had the hiccups. Had never been an NFL head coach before. Well, they fired him. They hired Butch Davis who had been very successful at Miami in college. He coached from 2001 to 2004, 58 games. He was 24 and 34. They fired him. Butch Davis had never coached as a head coach in the NFL. He's a first time head coach in the NFL. He was seven and nine, nine and seven, five and 11, three and eight. They fired him halfway through the season. All right, Terry Robiski coached six games. He went one and five and they were like, nah, bro, we gotta get you up out of here. He had coached three games for the Washington football franchise in 2000. Then they hired Romeo Cronell. From 2005 to 2008, he coached 64 games. He was 24 and 40. He was the first-time NFL head coach. He has since got another shot with Kansas City, and I think he's a great coordinator. Okay, so then they hired Eric Mangini, the man genius, who's on Fox Sports. And Eric Mangini coached for two years from 2009 to 2010. He was a second-time head coach. He had went 23 and 25 with the Jets. He went 10 and 6, 4 and 12, 9 and 7. That last year being the year that Brett Favre got him fired for getting hurt, basically. And then he went 5-11, 5-11 in Cleveland. So 32 games, he was 10-22. They got rid of him. They hired Pat Shermer, who had never coached in the NFL, is now currently coaching the Giants. From 2011 to 2012, 32 games, 9-23. Then they hired Rob Krasinski, first-time NFL head coach. In 2013, he went 4-12. Fired him after one year. Mike Petton, first-time NFL head coach. 2014 to 2015, 32 games, he went 10-22. Then they hired Hugh Jackson, who had, had one year head coaching experience in Oakland, and it was 8-8. Eight eight. He had 40 games. He was 336 36 one They fired him. Now they hired Greg Williams, who was 19-31 in Buffalo. Okay. Six first-time head coaches, one guy with three games as a head coach, one guy with one season as a head coach, and Mangini had coached three years before that. Here's the thing. And I'm not saying that... Head, head coaches now have to have previous NFL head coaching experience because obviously your Sean McVeigh's are of the world are doing very well as first time head coaches. But this is the Cleveland Browns. This is the organization that once the owner asked the the owner, and if it's true or not I don't know, but the owner said that a homeless man told him he should draft Johnny Manziel. See how well that worked out okay let's go through the list of their general managers cleveland's general managers dwight clark from 1999 to 2001 butch davis from 2001 to 2002 to 2004 so they gave him player control that was smart phil savage 2005 to 2008 george Kokinis, i guess is how you say his name 2009 tom heckard 2010 to 2012. Michael Lombardi, 2013. Ray Farmore 2014 to 2015. Sashi Brown, 2016 to 2017, and then they hired John Dorsey. Okay, let's look at the quarterbacks. So from 1999, so there's a whole list of these quarterbacks. So from 1999 to 2003, they had Tim Couch, started 59 starts. Tim Couch to this day has started more games for that franchise than anybody else. Right? Do you know the quarterback with the best record is Brian Hoyer at 10 and 6? So, Tim Couch, 59 starts, 22 and 37, win loss record, 64 TDs, 67 interceptions. Luke McCown, 0 and 4, 4 and 7, inter- t- touchdowns, interceptions. Charlie Fry, 19 starts, 6 and 13, 14 to 23. Brady Quinn, 12 starts, 3 and 9, 10 touchdowns, 9 interceptions. Colt McCoy, 21 starts, 6 and 15, 21 TDs, 20 interceptions. Brandon Whedon, 20 starts, 5 and 15, 23 touchdowns, 26 interceptions. Johnny Manziel, 2 and 6 as a starter, 7 TDs, 7 interceptions. Spurgeon Wynn started 1 game and he was a 6th round pick. Deshaun Kaiser, oh, okay, then you have those are those were the drafted quarterbacks, right? The, well, oh, sorry. And then Deshaun Kaiser, 15 games, 0 and 15, 11 touchdowns, 22 interceptions, and 53.6 completion percentage. Okay, these are all the quarterbacks that they had as a free agent. Doug Peterson, now the head coach of the Eagles, 8 starts, 1 and 7, 2 TDs, 8 interceptions. Kelly Holcomb, 12 starts, 4 and 8 as a starter, 39 touchdowns, and I'm sorry, 10 touchdowns, 9 and I'm sorry, no, they had 39 touchdowns, 38 interceptions. And he actually went to a playoff game. Jeff Garcia, who had had success before in the NFL with, um, I know he ended up being in Philadelphia later, but he had played in San Francisco at T.O., 10 starts, 3-7, 10 touchdowns, 9 interceptions. Trent Dilfer, 11 starts, 4-7, 11 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. Derek Anderson started 34 games, 16-18, 46 touchdowns, 45 interceptions. Seneca Wallace, 7 starts, he's 1-6, 6 touchdowns, 4 interceptions. Jason Campbell, 8 starts, 1-7, 11 touchdowns, 8 interceptions. Brian Hoyer, 10-6, 16 games, 17 touchdowns, 16 interceptions. Josh McCown, man, they had had two McCowns on this mug. I'm surprised K didn't play for them. Uh, 11 starts, he went 1-10, 18 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. Robert Griffin III, 5 starts, 1-4, 2 touchdowns, 3 interceptions. Cody Kessler, 8 starts, 0-8. Six touchdowns, three interceptions. Baker Mayfield now has six wins this year. Here's my point about listing all those stats. If you're the Cleveland Browns, you have to be committed to Baker Mayfield, and you have to have a coach that is going to be committed to Baker Mayfield, which means you don't want to go get a Nick Saban, who has proven that he is okay with game managers. Game managers. Before you think I said something else that disparages a group of people in this country, because it's obviously not what I said. I think I think Mike McCarthy is a good fit. I think Lincoln Riley is crazy if he loses. If he leaves Oklahoma just because he's proven that he can win with Baker. He's proven he can win with Kyler Murray. He's once again in the college football playoff. I think that eventually if he gets a good defensive coordinator, he'll win a national championship at, at Oklahoma. I just... I think it should be Mike McCarthy. That's who I would hire. I, I believe... And, and Colin Cowherd has said this, and I agree with this. I think with young quarterbacks, they need young offensive coaches. They, they especially a guy like Baker, who has been sacked way less. Yards per pass have gone up. Touchdowns to interception ratio has all gone up since Todd Haley and Hugh Jackson. Two offensive guys were fired on the basically the same day. So why bring in a defensive guy like Nick Saban at 67 years old? And Nick Saban is... Very much my way or the highway kind of guy. And I don't mean that in a negative way. He's he's a lot like Belichick. He's the no-nonsense. He's very testy with the media. But he's won six national championships and very well could win his seventh this year, which I think he will. Six at Alabama, one at LSU. If I'm Nick Saban, I'm already the first or second greatest college football coach to ever patrol the sidelines. I don't think Nick Saban needs a challenge are we really gonna hold those two years in Miami against him? They didn't hold those years. See, let's look at some coaches where who went from college to the pros and they didn't succeed, and we don't hold it against him. Steve Spurrier, do not hold it against him. And we'll even we'll do this in, in basketball too. John Calapari, Rick Patino, we remember them from the greatness in college. There's only been one head coach. To my recollection, I'm sorry, there's been a couple of head coaches that have won college national titles and NFL titles. That would be Jimmy Johnson, who won a championship at Miami in college and then won two Super Bowls with the Cowboys. And Pete Carroll, that won a championship in college with USC and then won an NFL Super Bowl with the Seattle Seahawks. Harbaugh's been to a Super Bowl, but he's never won on the other side. If Urban Meyer had left Florida and gone to the NFL, and then came back and had the success at Ohio State, will we look at him different? So it's only the clowns like Skip Bayless that are holding those two years in Miami. And it's not Nick Saban's fault that the Dolphins didn't sign Drew Brees. That move, when he failed the physical in Miami, and he's ended up now throwing for 70-plus thousand yards and first ballot Hall of Famer, still without an MVP, by the way, which is tricky. We're, we don't we don't hold those two years in Miami. And it's not like he was like 1-15 in 15 and he didn't know what he was doing. Because I want to say when he got there, the Ricky Williams marijuana stuff was also going on. And Saban got out. He was like, you know what, I'm going... And that's why the LSU fans are mad because he told them, oh, I'm only going to leave because the NFL's been my dream. And then two years later, I mean, Nick Saban couldn't have known the Alabama job was going to open, but he took the best job available. LSU fans, come on. I mean, it sucks, but... This, and it kills me because Florida fans feel the same way about Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer literally like, like collapsed on the sideline, in a and I think it was the last game of the regular season or a bowl game his last year at Florida, the year after Tebow left. And so then he steps down, works for ESPN for a year, and then Ohio State opens, which is his alma mater, which is where his mentors from. And people like they're like, oh man, I'm like. He won you two national titles. Urban Meyer has more national titles than Steve Spurrier. He put y'all back on the map. And people just get... It's so crazy how we treat coaches. It's ridiculous. And so, no, I do not think Nick Saban should go coach the Cleveland Browns. I think that would be absolutely stupid of him. And I'm not going to tell Nick Saban what to do. He's probably a way smarter man than me and... Hey, if he wants to go to the NFL, then hey, go to the NFL. Some coaches need that challenge. Some coaches need to go prove their detractors wrong. I don't think Saban's one of those guys. I think Saban is totally comfortable in what he has accomplished at the collegiate level. And so, my mic levels are acting real real weird. So, if you're listening, let me know if everything sounds alright. But it looks like I'm coming across on my Audacity app just fine. Once again, this is the Jesse James Show on 12 Ounce... The Jesse James Show on 12 Ounce Sports Radio and TuneIn app. Uh, We do this every night from 10 o'clock Central to 11... I'm sorry, 10 p.m. Central to 11 p.m. Central. Or if you're on the East Coast, it is from 11 p.m. to midnight, Monday through Friday. If you are in the Mountain Time, that would be... 9 p.m. to 10 p.m. And if you were on the West Coast, 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. Pacific time. And so it has been a pleasure doing this radio show. I've got about eight minutes, seven minutes left until I have to sign off and bid y'all a good night. And so we are going to. Okay, so tomorrow is our Thursday show, and it'll be Ian. It'll be Ian the producer, uh, Delevu the outlaw, I'm sorry, Delevu the villain, and Jesse James the outlaw. I'm pretty sure all three of us are gonna be on the show tomorrow, which is great because it always seems to bring back memories of the rehab sports guys, which is where we first started out. So it's always good to have the whole gang back together, and it's a pleasure working with my friends. I would like to say, and I, and I try to do this as much as possible, But because there's so much to talk about during our regular show, I don't always get to do this. But I want to go ahead and shout out people that have always supported me since I've been on the radio. So, and I'm going to shout them out by their show and their Twitter name. And so I would like to shout out at Girls Beer Sports. That is at G R L S B E E R S P O R T S. At College Credit H R. At Fam Divided Pod. At L R Underscore Sports Pod. At A Sip of Sports. At Steel Chick 37. At The Brick Wall 187. That is my boy Nate Wall, sports writer for 12ounceportsradio.com. Ooh, fam divided. I sent y'all two tweets. I apologize. Uh, the World Hockey Report at World Hockey RPT. At R E D D Head underscore 13. That is Rochelle at Chase Gage1 at SportWednesday. I would like to shout out the Scout team. And you can find them. Hold on one second. My boy, Corsa, uh, at cursed. Uh, okay, hold on. We're trying real hard here, people. Trying to get these shout outs. At. Let's see. At Chris Scout Team. Good buddy of mine. We would like to shout the villain out. And so I can't type, so I'm messing that up a little bit. At underscore cursed villain. So. A shout out to so the scout team is three guys and they consist of Chris, Kyle, and Mac. And so it is at Chris. Okay, hold on. Let me just go to the scout team because I should be able to pull up all their stuff. No, I just keep I be I be just typing in the wrong stuff, guys. I apologize for that. So scout team radio. Oh, they don't have their Twitters on here anymore. Okay, well, at Scout Team Radio, or the guys that basically allowed us to... At Loudbeard. Loudbeard is on the the, the, uh, Scout Team Radio. Let's... And then you have at Mac Scout Team, which goes by Loudbeard Nemesis... What is it? Loudbeard's Nemesis Longer Beard. That's so great. And so, of course, at 12 Ounce Sports and at Beck's Workweek... All these people um, at Reality reality Check In Show. You can check them out on 12 Ounce Sports Radio. Um, Let's go ahead and see what their Twitter is. So at Reality Check In. So that's at R E A L I T Y C H E C K N underscore. If I, oh, at Steffi Tweets, of course. That's always been a big supporter. And uh, I want to shout out all my, all the Stephanie's. That, and then the funny thing is they're all, there's three Stephanie's, and they're all fans of different teams. There's Steffi Tweets. You can find her at, at Steffi Tweets. That's S-T-E-P-H-I-E-T-W-E-E-T-S. At Steel Chick 37 is sports Melissa Stephanie, who is, I think, a Browns fan, she is at Stephanie Noel 41 And there's one more. Um... Oh, at GMFB underscore Stephanie, and she's a Titans fan. So I always like to give out shout-outs to all those people who retweet our stuff. Oh, and how could I forget my boy Primetime, who has a show on this network that comes on right before mine. I think it's on Mondays, Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays, and that is at P-O-P-D-I-B-I-A-S-E. That is the Primetime Capper for all of your sports picks He has been very, very supportive, and we have appeared on each other's shows before. He hasn't been on this show yet, but he will. Um, We also have Dennis the Stat Menace, who is at Culture Underscore Coach. So to all these people who have basically came on our shows or have been on shows with me before and given your expertise and knowledge, I would like to give you a little promo and say thank you for everything that you have done for us and we hope to have many of you on our shows. Once again, you can find this podcast on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, CastBox, Stitcher. Um, hold on, let me, let me see if I can, we got about two minutes left. I should be able to tell you all the places where you will be able to find this. And so, let's see. Oh, no, I can't find it. Okay. Okay, well, maybe I can't find it, because usually it'll tell me... Oh, there we go. Well, maybe not. Anyways, well, this has been a Jesse James Show production. Sorry, that came out a little weird. This has been the Jesse James Show on 12-Ounce Sports Radio and tune in app the kicker and the outlaw will be on tomorrow from 1 p.m until 2 p.m central time or 2 p.m to 3 p.m eastern time it'll be me ian and david tomorrow and i will hopefully talk to you guys tomorrow night on the jesse james show presented by 12 ounce sports radio god bless have a good night and be safe we will talk to y'all later we are out